Tonight, disturbing new video and accusations of animal abuse against a Canadian meat plant. Secret footage from inside a slaughterhouse. The regulations are just crystal clear that you're not allowed to do that. Alleged violations and calls for an investigation. The widening rift over Roxham Road. People can you know, toss out simplistic solutions. We as a country can close that border. The rethink on Canada's refugee treaty with the U.S. Plus, fighting the rising cost of food. Oh, I'm retired. I'm trying to save money. A dollar's a dollar. Counting on coupons. The growing appetite for the best grocery store deals. CTV National News with Omar Sachadina. Good evening, everyone. An investigation is underway tonight over shocking allegations of animal cruelty at British Columbia's largest beef processor. Accusations that rules meant to reduce suffering were not followed. CTV's BC Bureau Chief Melanie Nagy has the exclusive video recorded in secret. And a warning, some of these images are hard to watch. Jammed into a small pen, sheep are repeatedly hit with a paddle. Then they're wrenched by the neck and thrown to the ground. The secretly shot video also shows cows struck in the face with a cane and an electric prod. This cow's clearly terrified. Camille Labchuk's organization, Animal Justice, recently obtained the footage, which she says was filmed in a licensed slaughterhouse owned by one of BC's biggest meat processors. Some shocking footage that appears to have been taken inside Meadow Valley Meats. A legal complaint has now been launched against the facility, not only alleging animal abuse, but improper slaughter techniques that could contravene regulations, stating food animals must not suffer when being handled. Multiple examples of cows, of goats, and of sheep who are improperly stunned and then appear to show signs of consciousness as or after they are being cut open. Meadow Valley Meats has run into trouble before, pleading guilty in 2015 to selling E. coli tainted products. It's also linked to two men at the center of one of Canada's biggest farm animal cruelty cases. It's right there in your facility. Yeah. Jeff Coyman and his brother Ken, both listed as company directors, were fined hundreds of thousands of dollars after hidden video revealed abuse at their dairy farm. Hitting animals, hitting them with case. When approached by CTV News today, no one at the slaughterhouse would officially comment. As for the footage, leading animal welfare expert Donald Broom says it warrants an investigation. Some of those practices are, are, are not right and they were cutting corners and they shouldn't be doing that. Hit in the face, which should not happen. Moira Harris, another established expert, says it's critical to find out why it's happening. It could mean that the workers are not properly trained to know the signs could be just a simple lack of care. Tonight, in a written statement, Meadow Valley Meats confirmed it's aware of the complaint and says it will fully cooperate with any investigation. Omar? All right, Melanie, thank you for this tonight. Canada's Prime Minister insists he's working towards shutting down an irregular border crossing south of Montreal, but says it's not as easy as the opposition leader is making it sound. Here's CTV's Quebec Bureau Chief Genevieve Beauchemin. Now a well-worn gateway to safety in Canada, the government said today it's working toward returning Roxham to what it once was, a dead-end road in rural America. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says he's now in talks with the U.S. 
He's been under pressure to do something about the unofficial border crossing. There are uh, continually ongoing conversations about how we can ensure uh, that it's not beneficial for people to uh, try and cross the border at great uh, personal expense, at great personal risk. The way forward, he says, is to renegotiate the safe third country agreement, a refugee deal between Canada and the U.S. in place since 2004. Close. And he adds that solving Roxham isn't as simple. Within 30 days. As conservative leader Pierre Poilievre made it sound yesterday. Yes, if Pierre Poilievre wants to build a wall at Roxham Road, someone could do that. The problem is we have 6,000 kilometers worth of undefended shared border with the United States. Quebec, too, has been pushing to close the door here. Nearly 40,000 people crossed Roxham into Quebec last year, while just 400 crossed irregularly in other provinces. We've surpassed our capacity to help, said Premier François Legault today. Ottawa's answer so far is to bus refugees to other provinces, but some host cities say they too are under strain. Lovejoy's MAV is from Togo. He crossed at Roxham Road in 2017 and detailed his experience in a book. I had to save my life by starting it all over again, he says. We should focus on speeding up paperwork, he says, on assessing refugees' skills and credentials. And there's so much refugees can bring, he adds, to this welcoming country. The issue is likely to be on the agenda when U.S. President Joe Biden makes his first visit to Canada next month. Omar. All right, Jen, thanks. A British-born woman who traveled to Syria as a teen to join ISIS has lost an appeal to have her citizenship restored after it was revoked. Shamima Begum, now living in a camp in northern Syria, was 15 when she left and is now 23. She's renounced her extremist views and her lawyers say she was trafficked for sexual exploitation. The ruling means she remains barred from returning to the U.K. The U.S. president had two words today to describe Russia's decision to pull out of a nuclear arms treaty. Joe Biden was meeting with NATO allies in Poland, while former Russian president Dmitry Medvedev said Russia has the right to defend ourselves with any weapons, including nuclear. Biden's European trip is now over. He briefly lost his footing on the way up to Air Force One, but leaves behind a message of support for Ukraine. CTV's chief international correspondent Paul Workman reports. Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin! Russian President Vladimir Putin leading his troops today from a grand concert stage in Moscow, who notably has yet to visit any soldiers on the Ukrainian front line. The same soldiers he described as heroic, courageous, and brave. And what's observed in Russia as defender of the Fatherland Day. Right now, they are fighting a historical battle on our frontiers, he declared. The whole country supports them. Rousing the stadium in a bellicose war cry. His other focus today, cozying up to China in a high-profile meeting with the Chinese foreign minister, received warmly in the opulence of the Kremlin, with the U.S. deeply troubled that China may begin shipping arms to Russia. Dear Wang Yi, dear friend, said Putin, Russia and China are reaching new milestones in our relationship. Joe Biden was in Warsaw, 
using the final hours of a four-day trip to meet leaders of a European alliance known as the Bucharest Nine. NATO and to offer assurance that American support for these nervous countries is solid. As NATO's eastern flank, you're on the front lines of our collective defense, and you know better than anyone what's at stake in this conflict. Dear Mr. Biden, please! As if Biden needed a reminder, but there it was anyway. F-16 to Ukraine! Of Ukraine's desperation and demand, for F-16 fighter jets to push the Russians out. A year into this war, and Putin's forces have been outsmarted, outmaneuvered, and killed in their tens of thousands. And that's why many people here believe he will unleash a furious missile barrage in the next day or so to make up for his military failure, Omar. Ten days, CTV's Paul Workman in Kyiv tonight, and nearly a year of war has taken its toll on Ukraine. Inside a hospital in Lviv, innocent civilians and injured soldiers are on the front lines of a new battle. CTV's Adrian Gobriel now with the fight to heal the hearts and minds of a nation. Thursday, Friday or Saturday, the, the trains arrive. From the front lines to this emergency hospital in Lviv. The Russian invasion of Ukraine cuts deep. Inside each room, regular citizens as well as soldiers are fighting another elusive battle. Civilians have more depressive symptoms and the military has more, uh, more anxiety. Twelve months of war has ushered in a mental health crisis across Ukraine and it's on full display as we join a team of psychologists and psychotherapists. Their patients have just arrived from villages under siege and from the battlefields in the east. This 25-year-old patient from Bakhmut says memories of his past life before the war have brought painful emotions to the surface. I've lost my home, he says. I've lost nearly everything. Fighting back tears, we found both Maxime and his wife Valerie in a hospital room recovering together after they both stepped on landmines. While being evaluated by lead psychiatrist Ole Berezayek, an air raid siren sounds. The potential of an incoming missile puts a stop to the therapy session, but only for a brief moment. Sirens no longer phase Maxine, but he admits the sounds of carts and wheelchairs in the hospital are a trigger, sounding like incoming fighter jets. We met 72-year-old Yuri, who lost part of his leg after a Russian missile landed just steps from where he once stood. As the morning sun shines onto his hospital bed, he works through a crossword, all part of his daily therapy following four months of treatment. Reading or crossword or just counting the rational exercises is a treatment for PTSD. The crucial work being done here is in part being funded by donations from Canadians through the Red Cross. Is it fair to say that everyone in Ukraine is suffering trauma on some level? Absolutely, absolutely, 100%. You already have a trauma to, after today's day that you have seen all those people. You have to think about your future, what you're going to do tomorrow. And this is already a treatment. So many are holding on to hope of a future that will see families reunited and the healing of their wounds from within. What's happening here is actually quite progressive for Ukraine. This is the only emergency hospital in the country offering mental health support for its patients. Previously, Therapy was only offered at Soviet-era psychiatric facilities. Omar. 
Heartbreaking stories. All right, Adrian, thank you. Canadians seeking information about the war in Ukraine and other news stories on Google may be out of luck. The tech giant has blocked access to some users as part of a test in response to Ottawa's online news bill. CTV's senior political correspondent Glenn McGregor joins us now. Glenn, what can you tell us? Omar, many Canadians are used to getting their news from Google, but some of them now are not seeing the full picture. The Internet giant says it's testing the elimination of some Canadian news stories from search results in response to the federal government's plan to compel tech companies to share revenues with news providers. The Online News Act, Bill C-18, would require Google and others to negotiate deals with news sites. Google described the change as a test of the bill's impact involving less than 4% of Canadian users saying C-18 is overly broad and, if unchanged, could impact products Canadians use and rely on every day. Facebook's parent company Meta also throttled news content in Australia last year in response to similar legislation and has threatened to do the same in the U.S. A spokesperson for the Heritage Minister said Canadians won't be intimidated. All we're asking the tech giants to do is compensate journalists when they use their work. Canadians need to have access to quality, fact-based news. The Online News Act has passed through the House of Commons, but needs to be approved by the Senate before it becomes law, Omar. All right, Glenn, thank you. More than 135 million Americans are under severe weather alerts tonight as a massive winter storm stretches from coast to coast. Guys, you guys have a rope? The storm knocked out power to thousands in California. Eastbound, 6200 south, off-ramp. It closed interstate highways from Arizona to Wyoming and prompted more than 1,500 flight cancellations right across the country. The northern U.S. has been battered the most. Schools are closed and historic amounts of snowfall are expected. That same system is now taking aim at southern Ontario, where snow began falling just in time to complicate the evening commute for Toronto drivers. And it's not over. And for more on what we can expect, let's bring in CTV meteorologist Kelsey McHugh. And Kelsey, lots of active weather happening. Walk us through the next 24 to 48 hours and then into the weekend. Which areas of the country are going to get hit the hardest? Well, Omar, it depends. Either you have extreme cold across much of the country or you have this moisture-laden Colorado low that's slamming through Ontario and Quebec. And that system prompting a lot of active weather in the United States as well. It moves its way across Ontario, Quebec, into Atlantic Canada into Thursday. And then in behind that, round number two, from the same system taking the same path from Ontario east to the Atlantic. Now, in terms of snow totals, we're really watching Ontario and Quebec for the highest amount right along the shores of Lake Ontario, including Toronto, in that 15 to 20 centimeter range of snow and ice pellets. Eastern Ontario, southern Quebec, a little bit less, but it's down towards Lake Erie, where the ice accretion from freezing rain could be 10 to 20 millimeters. That in combination with strong winds could mean trouble. Now, once that moves out, the cold air moves in. Temperatures are set to drop in Ontario, Quebec, and east to the Atlantic. That extreme cold has prompted warnings from B.C. east through Labrador and north towards Nunavut. But there is good news for our prairie provinces. Look at this. Calgary getting up to near zero by Saturday. Omar? Okay, we'll keep those shovels handy for a little while longer. Kelsey, thank you. When we come back. Eggs I got on sale in here today, so it wasn't so bad. Timely tips on the evolving arts of couponing.
You've probably noticed you're paying more and walking away with less at the supermarket these days. And while the price of food is soaring, as CTV's Heather Butts shows us, there is a way to be savvy and smart about it. The grocery store is a pricey place these days, which has more Canadians now shopping with a strategy. I use the, uh, the Flip app. And then I look at it every Wednesday to see what's coming up for the next week, and then I make a decision based on what's where. The Flip app is a digital platform that puts local flyers in one place. If you're looking to get into price matching... For a lesson, we turn to Kathleen Cassidy, founder of Living on a Looney. You can browse through the flyers. By tapping an item, you are able to add it to your shopping list. That helps savvy shoppers determine which store to shop at, offering the most deals that week, or head to one store and price match. For my Quebec friends, Maxi has juice, three for two eighty-eight. Cassidy is one of many Canadian couponers helping others save on groceries and everyday essentials. Emptying multiple supermarket shelves over the... TLC's hit show Extreme Couponing may have given coupon clippers a bad rap, but this has become a reality for many. It can definitely, you know, change your financial situation a little bit if you're willing to put some time and effort into it. Savings, she says, could be worth $20 to $50 a week. Coupons can be found on store shelves. You can also print them at home and apply for digital rebates. Cassidy says items you should never pay full price for include toilet paper, paper towel, and most toiletries, bread, pasta, and even some meat. My biggest piece of advice is definitely to plan your grocery shop and to start simple. Jennifer Anderson started out trying to save for her family and now helps to create meal plans based on weekly deals. For example, whole chicken in Ontario is now roughly $4.99 a pound, but a quick search shows this week some places have it for $1.99 a pound. Couponing helps me save money in a real way, and it is a meaningful way for me and my family. And whether you're shopping for yourself or a large family, it all adds up. Heather Butts, CTV News, Toronto. Still ahead. Reconciliation in action. The belongings of a revered chief finally return. More precious pieces of Indigenous history have finally been returned. Artifacts belonging to Chief Poundmaker were given back to his family today, 137 years after the Cree leader's death. CTV has done a sound on the emotional repatriation. In a place known for silence, the Royal Ontario Museum came alive today with song and dance. The celebration to honour Chief Poundmaker at this repatriation ceremony, the chief's pipe and saddle are being given back to their rightful owners. Pauline Poundmaker is his great-great-granddaughter. It's an incredible spiritual journey and sometimes it's a little, you feel overwhelmed. Chief Poundmaker is best known for his efforts to unite the tribes in the late 1800s. It's such a huge honor we've been given to be able to be the one, the generation that can bring back his artifacts. This saddle has been in the hands of the Rom for 99 years and now being returned to right or wrong. Chief Poundmaker spent time in prison for treason. Two years ago, the government of Canada, Justin Trudeau, pardoned Chief Poundmaker and apologized on behalf of Canada for his wrongful imprisonment. The chief lived a tough and short life. 
when the government of the day called all the buffalo in an effort to starve him and his people out. Cree people are still here, his descendants donning tattoos of Poundmaker out of respect. Chief Poundmaker died at the age of 44 in Blackfoot territory. In 1967, his people brought his remains back home to his reserve, the Poundmaker Cree Nation in Saskatchewan. Last year, the ROM repatriated a peace pipe used in the 1836 Manitoulin Treaty to its rightful owners, the Ojibwe and Odawa, closing one historic chapter to open a new future. Donna Sound, CTV News, Toronto. Fascinating history after the break through their eyes. How Ukraine's children of war are adapting one year later. Hundreds of kilometers away from home and in countries where they are still learning the local language, Ukraine's children of war have demonstrated the strength of soldiers fighting on the front lines. CTV's Vanessa Lee on their resilience and the lessons these young refugees are teaching us all. What started out as a sudden and chaotic start at a new school in a foreign place now feels more like home for 12-year-old Dima Novinyuk. I like it here, he says. Sometimes I forget I'm in a different country. Dima, his mom and sisters, fled Ukraine last March. His uncle stayed behind and is on the front line. From psychiatric support to supplies like backpacks, schools across Poland are stretching resources to accommodate hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian students. One student told me, oh, she doesn't have home anymore. So it was really, it was really sad. Yeah. But at the same time, they, I think they adapted well. Teachers say the biggest challenge is language. Many words in Ukrainian and Polish are the same, but as you can see, the alphabets are completely different. While it is a steep learning curve in the classroom, Friendship requires no translation. Dima and Maya hit it off right away. What is your favorite thing about Maya? She is kind and she cares, he says in Ukrainian. What do you, what do you like about him? He is funny, kind and helpful, she says in Polish. He said almost exactly the same thing about me. <laughs> what Dima thought would be a temporary stop is now indefinite. He wants to finish his studies here. When I grow up and find a job, I'll maybe go back to Ukraine to find a girlfriend, he says. A place where kids can just be kids and new friends can help with healing and the unknown that lies ahead. Vanessa Lee, CTV News, Katowice, Poland. The power of human connection. And that's a snapshot of this Wednesday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching. Good night.